Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Welcome back to the MedTech Talent Lab. I appreciate you being here. I am Mitch Robbins, your host, and I'm the founder and managing director here at the Anthony Michael Group, where we help organizations across the life sciences to build best-in-class teams primarily in technical areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, et cetera. And I am happy to announce that we have a a new commercial division now offering services in areas like reimbursement, market access, healthcare economics, et cetera. Uh, Grateful for our guest today, Ms. Arvita Tripathi, who is the head of quality, regulatory affairs, and privacy for a company called Luminostics, which if yet familiar with this company, Really cool technology. They leverage a patented technology platform, which allows for rapid, accurate infectious disease testing and other health monitoring at the point of care and soon at some point by consumers in their own homes. Uh, The unique technology uses a consumer smartphone optics paired with an adapter and the combination of signal processing AI to detect or measure viruses, bacteria, hormones, and proteins with high sensitivity and specificity from samples, including swabs, blood, urine, and saliva. So a little bit about about Arvita's background. Um, She has built a storied career over the last 13 plus years in regulatory quality and compliance. She's spent time with recognizable organizations like Coopervision, Accurate, AliveCore, and a variety of, of other companies. And then as far as formal education, her bachelor's of science was with an area of focus in European intellectual history and her master's in business administration with a concentration in marketing. So without further ado, Arvita, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Mitch. I'm really excited to be on the program today. Yeah. And I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to cover together. We're really going to talk about performance management um, from a leader's perspective, as far as how do you help your team accomplish their own career strategic goals, but at the same time, ensuring that uh, the goals of the organization are being met simultaneously. And uh, before we dig in, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your background, how you ended up in, in this crazy space we call regulatory and quality. Um, but I think the burning question I've got first and foremost is how does somebody with a concentration in European intellectual history uh, end up making, making her way into uh, the life sciences and then more so regulatory and quality? Well, it was a complete accident. It's been a really interesting journey here. But uh, when I graduated from school um, back in 2001, uh, there was that dot-com bust. And so there weren't really many, uh, much as far as uh, demand goes for history majors. Um, And so I did a series of, you know, uh, administrative jobs. I ended up uh, uh, working in customer service at REI. And uh, I did AmeriCorps as well. And, um, you know, between all of that, I figured, you know, the, the, the vision that I had for my life was maybe a little bit uh, something a little bit different. And I got to thinking about my mother and kind of uh, her roots. And um, she's a nurse. And uh, 
just like, you know, I think I really want to do something a little bit more meaningful. And so I went into um, uh, a temp agency, actually, and uh, they were kind enough to uh, help me get a job uh, setting up a customer service department at a little medical device startup. Um, from there, um, I transitioned into uh, quality and I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm actually good at this. Okay, well, let me go ahead and figure out what I need to do in order to reach the top. And so that was um, about 14 years ago now. Unreal. And it's just so funny to me how just the different stories of how people not only end up in the life sciences, but specifically regulatory and quality, because it's really not, you know, I think it's changing slowly but surely, but it's really historically not been uh, an area where people in college say, this is what I'm going into. And this is, you know, what my career is going to be. It usually happens by, by happenstance, circumstance. Same with recruiting. I always say, you know, people don't go to school thinking I'm going to be a recruiter. It just happens. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, and thankfully that the staffing agency just happened to put you in the right place at the right time to give you this, a taste of what this could be. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to tackle together. Um, performance management and helping your team kind of accomplish their their goals simultaneously to the company's goals. Um, I want to ask you off the bat, how do you distinguish between what, what you would define as leadership versus what you would define as management? Well, I think of leadership as really um, around setting the vision, setting the tone um, for whether it's an organization or a department or, you know, um, your piece of individual contributorship, right? Like it, it's really around being able to, to say, here's where I am and, you know, here's what, what I envision the future to be like and um, being able to kind of create that future. Um, whereas I think management is really around, okay, well, we have this picture of the future. Let's uh, go ahead and break it down and start executing on the individual tasks and facilitating people getting roadblocks out of the way in order so that way they can um, build to that future uh, state. So I guess vision and strategy versus kind of the um, more execution. Yeah, I love how you broke that down. And I think the two can coexist simultaneously, right? Oh, um, a leader can be a visionary, but at the same time, be a manager to be effective and really kind of move the ball forward. And, you know, oftentimes this word visionary gets thrown around. And I think people naturally think, oh, that's the CEO or, you know, that's that's from the top. But it's not there's a vision. We can be our own visionaries for our own, you know, our own journey and at the same time, be our own manager. Um, but I love how you broke it out as far as task focus versus the bigger picture and the inspiration. If I was to ask you, what's your leadership philosophy or, you know, how do you lead? How, what would you say? Um, you know, there's a couple of books that um, really informed my uh, sort of leadership philosophy. One is called Core Business. It's, uh, you know, business lessons from the Marine Corps. Uh, and then the other is Five Dysfunctions of a Team by mm. Patrick Lencioni. And so um, I guess those are the, the principles that are espoused in there. And so like with Lencioni, the foundation is really uh, around trust and being able to trust your team because everything else builds from there, you know, being able to have accountability, being able to talk openly and um, express 
um, you know, uh, difference of opinion. Uh, all these things come from, you know, this source uh, of, of trust, right? And then um, from like the the, the, the the Marine Corps book, you know, this is just uh, some really great principles around uh, communication, um, how to treat others. Um, you know, it's not just uh, the golden rule, but the platinum rule, right? Like, uh, treat others how you, um, not just uh, how uh, you want to be treated, but uh, how they want to be treated, right. and make sure that you know you're you're making decisions and facilitating things in a timely manner, and that you're really taking responsibility for your actions. And I think that all of these things, you know, trust, integrity, accountability, um, th- th- these are all core to, you know, a person's values, and then that shapes their leadership as well. And so those have definitely been things that I've tried to, however imperfectly, uh, instill or imbue my uh, leadership style with. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, I've actually read a couple of Patrick Lencioni's books, including the one you mentioned, and super great values, especially what you said about the foundation, that everything starts with trust. And um, I've always tried to live by trust people until they give you a reason not to. And if you start with that, yes. right, you're starting off on the right foot. Hey, you've, you've got my trust. Give me a reason not to, you know, just don't give me a reason not to trust you. And I think that builds a lot of um, uh, rapport from the get-go and a lot of goodwill. Uh, I appreciate you sharing this book, Core Business, because that one I haven't heard of. Um, what about as you've been coming up? Because now you're leading the function, but what about hands-on as you've been coming up? What have you learned from other leaders that have, you've kind of taken bits and pieces from out of these, you know, the formal books that you've read? Oh, um, well, I, I think exactly that around, uh, it's been like cementing some of these foundational principles mm-hmm. that I've been reading about. So for example, we were just talking about trust and, you know, trust people until they give you uh, a reason yeah. not to, right? And so one of my favorite managers, um, gentleman named Russ, uh, he was wonderful about um, trusting me to go ahead and uh, get the job done and being able to um and trusting me to go ahead and know my own limits as far as when to come back and check in with him about, oh, I'm getting a little bit out of my depth on this. I maybe need a little bit of uh, your expertise. And so can you, you know, please provide some guidance. And so I really appreciated that. And that's something that I try to um, model in my style is really just, you know, give people enough rope that they can either, um, you know, uh, swim that, that they can like swim if they um, want to or are able to or if they need to they can come back to you and be able to um, to have some uh, help but I just uh, really yeah that, 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 that's been one of the really um, key things I think is um, yeah that, that, that I've seen in action yeah the analogy that comes to mind is almost like a uh, one of those um you know, the, at pools and stuff where they have that ring, the life preserver ring that they would throw out if somebody's struggling. It's almost like that. You throw that out with the line. It's in the water. Hey, swim around as much as you can. If you get tired, mm-hmm. or if you need help, just, you know, grab on sports there, but giving people the enough, uh, leeway to really, you know, spread their wings. Um, I want to, uh, I want to tackle what we're 
going to talk about, and that is the, this idea of performance management. Help people identify their goals and then give them opportunities to reach those goals. What, what's your view on performance management? What does that mean to you? Um, so performance management it can be I, I, like the immediate thing that I think of, you know, is the, the negative mm-hmm. case, which sometimes you have to deal with, right? So performance improvement. But overall, like, I think that performance management is um, not something that should trigger that case. And if, if if it always is a negative thing, then, you know, you as a leader and manager are probably not um, doing performance management as well as you should, right? Because I think that it that performance management when done well means that, you know, you're having these um, regular check-ins with your folks. You understand what their aspirations are and understand what they're building towards and how to help them um, really succeed. You know, one of the things as a manager is that we're not like to Depending upon, you know, the company, um, you know, sometimes you have working managers who roll up their sleeves and um, are in there doing the do, doing the work as well as being a manager. But generally speaking, you know, you're trying to uh, amplify your, um, your reach, right? You're trying to get work done through others. And so I think performance management is an important part in order to be able to really be effective as a manager it's really how are you how well are you doing at amplifying your your reach are you um are you only able to is your team only able to move as fast as you or have you uh, enabled them to the extent that they're able to move as fast as um they're they have been before and i'm excited that you decided to join me as a guest because when we were talking offline ahead of time i loved how you looked at the positive, like what is performance management as a positive? It's not a disciplinary thing. It's not a, you know, crunching down thing. It's more so a a, a growth mindset. Performance management is more so, you know, how do we get the most out of our team, but how do we help them get the most out of themselves? And that's why I love that you're here today talking about this. What do you see as, as your responsibility as a leader versus your staff's responsibility for their own professional development? Well, so, you know, I think that as a leader, we need to be open to having the conversations and we need to, to a certain extent, like initiate those convers- conversations and let people know that we're here to talk to them. Because I think a lot of times people, um, they, they, they aren't aware that we're willing or able to be a resource. Um, and then I think the staff needs to, you know, once that um, door is open, needs to go ahead and be willing to walk through that door and come to it prepared to have discussions. But, you know, one of the things that I um, that I remember that really got me interested in um, growing to become a manager and eventually, you know, um, directorship and so on, was um, working with one of my good friends um, earlier in my career, where I was, um, you know, talking to her about, well, I, we, were, we were both kind of thinking about, like, how do we get to that next level and what are the things that we need to achieve? And, you know, she was struggling with trying to understand, like, well, do I just need to... I, 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 I've done software validation, but I'm not yet great on ETO validations, but I've done gamma validations. And so, you know, if I get, 
if I, if I get this one last type of sterilization validation on my belt, will I finally be, you know, ready to make it to principal engineer? And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, particularly women, will hold the, themselves back because, you know, they'll be um, having some self-doubt about whether or not they're, um, they only meet like nine out of the 10 bullets on the job description. So um, because they don't have that one item, they, they, they don't apply for it. And so, um, and, and I think that's a, that, that, that's quite a shame. And so to me, um, one of the things that gets me excited about talking to people about, you know, trying to help people grow is um, figuring out where are they selling themselves short? What do they already have in in their arsenal, in their toolkit, but they just aren't maybe thinking about in the right way or maybe not positioning in quite as um, favorable a way and helping helping let that side of them uh, really show. Love it. And, you know, I constantly, my whole team constantly harps on this when we take on new searches that, <clears throat> so there's two sides to it. I always explain a search as two sides of a coin. On one side, you got what we deem as the performance profile, previous success that would help indicate future success based on the priorities that the company has or the functional area has for this position. The flip side is the employer value proposition, the EVP. What's so differentiating, so compelling, so unique that it would stop somebody dead in their tracks who's doing a similar job elsewhere and make it a no-brainer for them to see uh, that it makes sense to have an exploratory conversation, right, about the opportunity. But we could keep drilling down. Candidate value proposition. What is so differentiating about myself? Where do I present the value that it would be a no-brainer for the organization to at least want to talk to me? And how do I position that? Or employee value proposition. As an employee to my manager, what is it about me? What is my value proposition? What have I done? What are the outcomes I've achieved to help see it as a no-brainer to at least consider having a conversation with me about the next step, right? And, for, and so you said a couple things that, made me think of this. Um, two things. One, I want to reiterate what you said about the open door. Everybody talks about, I'm a manager, I'm a leader, I have an open door policy. It's one thing to say I have an open door policy. It's another thing to make your staff feel comfortable enough to be able to come to you. And we talk about, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make the horse drink. We got to lead them to the water first to even consider, you know, that they can drink. So making it so that it is comfortable environment enough to where they feel like, okay, it's not just a saying open door. They really do have an open door. I feel comfortable coming to them. That's one thing you said. But then it is their responsibility to walk through the door and ask for help or ask for mentorship or ask, how do I do this? And actually, and, and, and just to break in there, um, for that open door policy, you know, I, I think that a lot of that happens during um, the one-on-ones. What I like to do is I generally have, depending upon the level, either a weekly or a bi-weekly uh, one-on-one. And I always make sure that um, for lower level employees that, you know, at least once a month, um, there's one one-on-one that's totally dedicated to having um, professional development discussions. And then for higher level employees, you know, having that discussion on a quarterly basis, because if they're higher level, you know, generally speaking, they'll be more comfortable with having those discussions and initiate it themselves um, if I haven't done so already. So That's awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to make sure to, to talk about a little bit more is you're absolutely right. So many people sell themselves short. And 
Uh, don't get me started on job descriptions because I have my own thoughts on what job descriptions are and how much better they could really be. But you're right. So many people look at it. My own family came to me with this the other day. They were it was, Somebody in my family was looking at a new job. She's like, oh, I don't meet these criteria. I'm like, job descriptions is kind of like almost throwing out every possible thing that they could ever ask for. And then people take it sometimes at face value versus recognizing or thinking about, okay, what have I done that is of value? What are the pieces that I'm not thinking about as to how they equate to pieces of value the organization would see as a value statement? Um, and being able to articulate that versus automatically think, I don't have the skill set, you know? Um, so I think you're dead on with that. Talk about, so the conversation is starting to happen. People feel comfortable coming to you. You're being proactive as the leader. How do you help set up performance plans or roadmaps to help them get to where they want to go? Talk a little bit more about that, if you would. Yeah, you know, um, one of one of the uh, things I like to do is I like to think of this as a kind of almost a strategic plan for your life, <laughs> as it were. And so coming at it from that sort of strategic planning perspective, right? So, you know, when we go through as a business and do the strategic planning process, you know, you've got your five-year goal, you know, what are the couple of um, things that you're going to do? And then you break it down by department, right? And so it's the same sort of thing. So um, I like to talk to people about like, so what are your aspirations? So like, where... What does life look like five years from now? What does it look like? What does retirement look like? Okay. So in order to do that, you need to be able to have had, you know, this sort of um, income level and, or you need to have had this sort of um, lifestyle is what you're trying to afford. Okay. So that means maybe you are, um, you know, getting to uh, principal engineer is where is it's going to be the sweet spot spot for you because maybe eh, you're not really into managing people. That's okay. So what are your aspirations from like just a life perspective, you know, for as long as a term as you're able to reasonably forecast? Okay. Once we get there, then like, all right, let's back, let's work backwards from that. Okay. So for for me, like, all right, I want to be a VP in order to be a VP. I need to have been a director or need to have had, you know, been able to manage a quality system on my own and been a management rep, need to have been able to do design quality, need to be able to do all these different things. And so, okay. And once you figure out like what those big chunks of work are, then you can figure out, okay, so what are the business goals that I'm currently responsible for and how are they helping map to these big verticals that I'm um, looking at needing to address? So like, what are the key deliverables that are helping me be a good design quality engineer or getting me to success as a, um, quality management rep, right? Um, so, um, and, and then once you have those, then you can think about, all right, well, do your swap, right? What, what are your strengths? Where do you have weaknesses? What opportunities do you have? And then, you know, think about also what your reputation is. Like, how do people describe you? Uh, what are you known for? What do you want to continue to be known for? And what do you want to kind of move away from? And all of this kind of is that raw input into 
developing a set of goals. Um, and then once you have that, then you can be like, okay, you know, here, and it's not all going to be immediately actionable, but you can kind of parse it out and be like, okay, here's my, here's what I want to accomplish in these next six months. And here's what I need to talk to my manager about to get on my um, roadmap for the next year or so. And then here's where, you know, I can see myself uh, either deepening my um, career with this company or maybe, um, you know, choosing a different path, um, you know, down the line. So that's kind of how I like to approach it. I love it. And I want to kind of summarize because you you brought in a few critical areas. One is the importance of uh, recognizing that we all have a brand, right? It's not just Coca-Cola. It's not just companies. It's we all have a brand. And what is one way or the other, the brand it represents something. What do you want it to represent? If you don't like it, you're perceived now, what can you do to change it? If you do like it, what can you do to continue to reinforce that? And actually having the... the um, 30,000 foot view of, okay, how am I perceived? I don't, I might not even know, right? And being able to be strong enough to ask for that feedback. Um, Simon Sinek is the one who said it best. What's your why, right? And I love the fact that you tie this to the personal piece. Not everybody wants to be the vice president or the CEO of a company. Some people want to be a very, very good technical um, expert. And that's where the principal status comes in. so the branding, the what's your why from a personal standpoint and the technical piece of it. And then my question to you is, you know, you've got a big up here because you're obviously a highly invested leader and you care about the development of your team, but you're also, you know, on the block, so to speak, for being ultimately responsible for the outcomes out of your department. So how do you strategically look at what you're responsible for from, you know, overarching outcomes in your functional areas to your team's goals? And how do you strategically mend the two together? Yeah, it's, it's a complicated thing to do, right? Uh, um, But I think that it's about a sale. It's a bit of a sales process almost. Um, You know, you need to um, identify, all right, here's what this person is interested in you need to be able to be a little realistic with um, them and yourself as far as, you know, what are they going to be able to achieve? How much are you, how much bandwidth are you going to have in order to be able to support them through that process? Um, and then I think you need to be able to, um, you know, find a project um, or, you know, program that they can uh, work on and be able to, um guide them through that and really sell them on being able to do that. Now, like I had uh, an instance with uh, an employee uh, previously where, you know, she was, um, she was really wonderful at her job. She had been promoted into, um, into a management role. However, um, she didn't necessarily come across as being a manager and people, kind of steamrolled over to a certain extent. And so, you know, one of the things that we needed to work on together then was how to raise her profile, how to kind of raise, um, I want to say, awareness of her her status as a strategic or as, as a more strategic thinker and not just 
you know, someone who's focused on the day to day, um, because, you know, that was just the, the, the kind of position she had been put into previously. And so, um, you know, when I was looking at the um, things on my plate, um, you know, one of the um, projects that I was able to um, uh, give her was uh, rolling out an enterprise software uh, platform to the company. And another one was, you know, an inspection readiness, um, both of which were able to really uh, um, help kind of showcase her ability to work cross-functionally, demonstrate business value and overall um, sort of uh, ability to think not just from a compliance perspective about what is necessary, but what from a business perspective is going to be good to help achieve the overall goals of, of, of the company. And I think it really helped showcase her in, in those lights because she wasn't just coming down as a, oh, here, you have to do this from a compliance perspective, but hey, we're doing this thing as a business to um, achieve greater efficiency or to be able to um, help us, um, you know, have a successful uh, inspection. So I think it's all just a matter of, of selling the projects um, and of, of course, assuming that you have projects that fit. If you don't have projects that fit, then I think it's, um, you know, uh, on you as a manager, as a leader to, you know, see what other opportunities are there within the company for that personal growth and then being able to um, see if you're able to um, have that be something that that person can work on. For example, I had another um, uh, employee who was able to, we didn't have anything quite right for them but uh, in, in my department, but uh, I was able to um, talk to HR. They were uh, working on a women in leadership program. And um, is that something that, um, you know, my person could um, go ahead and uh, be a part of that steering committee on. So that way um, they got that experience and that worked out just fine. Just need to go ahead and have that cross-functional sort of uh, communication and discussion. Spoken like a true uh, servant leader. I, I just love how invested you are and how selfless you are as far as the importance of developing your team and giving them opportunities I, and removing roadblocks, being the visionary, uh, looking for opportunities that align strategically with the company's goals and what you need to accomplish, but at the same time, helping them realize, hey, somebody's in my corner that really truly wants to see me thrive. And if it's that, if it's here, great. If it's not, you're not standing in their way to help them accomplish their goals. And um, it's amazing. This came from somewhere, you know, you talked about how you got into the life sciences and your mother being a nurse and caring about, you know, others and um, how you end up in regulatory quality. But where does this drive or this desire to really stand up for your team and help find opportunities come from? You know, I think it's just trying to um, pay it back or pay it forward, I guess. Um, I've been really, really fortunate with my career to have um, some really wonderful um, former bosses and mentors. Uh, so, yeah, I remember when I was um, first uh, dipping my feet in quality and realizing that, oh, this this could be something I'm good at and I want to get to the top. Uh, I remember I um, had, a, I, I took one of the VPs of quality that I knew, I took him out for coffee and was like, so 
tell me everything you know, what do I have to do in order to be a VP in like X number of years? And he was like, okay, well, you're going to have a problem because you don't have an engineering degree, but here are some of the things you can do to manage around those um, around those biases and to try to get some of that experience that you need. Um, here are some of the um, you know certifications you're going to need. You're definitely going to need this sort of experience in order to be considered you know um, the top candidate once you get to be a director. That's awesome, and we'll definitely put a link into uh, the show notes. Um, so that they can learn more about Luminostics and uh, just great leadership, obviously, over at the company. If, if, if folks are anything like you, that you guys have a pretty solid team, to say the least. So again, Arvita, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to connect with you today. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.